welcome to another episode of Brown Trout and Bridge Beers. Uh, we're back recording up in Blaine, Minnesota, leaving the Cottage Grove area a little bit. Uh, we've got Matt to my left. Hello. We've got two uh, new guests who haven't been on the podcast before with us. My name is Ryan uh, from here in Minneapolis. I actually grew up in Red Wing, but I live in Minneapolis now. I'm Eric Jensen uh, from Minneapolis and uh, been here my whole life in Minnesota, pretty much. Well, welcome guys. Uh, coming out, uh, hanging out in Blaine. We're cooking some pizzas off the grill for a little bit. And as always, enjoying some uh, tasty ice cold hams. <laughs> no shortage of hands. No. <laughs> we try to make sure you guys are well fed, um, well, uh, well beveraged, um, and keep that going. Mission but success. Mission success. Excellent. Um, but yeah, we brought you guys on cause, uh, you guys are part of BHA MN. Um, so yep. if somebody want to spike that off, let everybody what's, know. What's, uh, what's BHA? What is BHA? Um, BHA is the abbreviation for backcountry hunters and anglers, uh, which is a North American conservation organization. Uh, we have 40,000 members um, in U.S. and Canada and chapters in almost every state. And, and BHA Minnesota is our Minnesota chapter. Um, yeah, I've got involved, uh, I don't know, about a year and a half ago. And it's been so much fun, just the time of life. Lifetime. So much fun. So much fun. <laughs> yeah. Is that, that's one of those marks that I can go back and edit <laughs> okay. out. But it's been a while since I've heard my voice. It's weird to talk and then have it filter back into your own head. Just yeah. wait till we make you listen to this 10 times. Oh, that'll be even worse. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> no doubt. yeah. And, so, and what are your guys' roles then with, with BHA Minnesota? So I, I don't have an official role. I've just been really heavily involved. It started with Minnesota. Member extraordinaire. That's a, you know, well, somebody said Ryan, that, yeah. you're, you're almost like in charge of a volunteer organization for our events now. <laughs> so don't, just, you know, it's um, kind of one of those, it's kind of one of those snowballs that keeps on growing. And I had never heard of the organization a year and a half ago. I had no idea what BHA was. And I went to Minnesota public lands day, at the Capitol. That was my introduction to it. And the pint night that night, and it kind of kicked off from then I had, I needed some volunteer hours for an application to nursing school. So I started working different fly fishing events because I love fly fishing and it kind of went from there. And so we've done a lot of volunteering, a lot of organizing, uh, done some seminars about drift boat fishing at our state rendezvous. And it's been such a blast actually. Yeah, this is Eric uh, Jensen. Um, I'm on the board of the chapter. I'm currently one of the vice chairs. I'm actually trying to step down to being just a board member, but um, they won't let me. <laughs> I think they, Seems they, like that's how it always goes yeah. in volunteer organizations. You always yeah. are trying to pass the torch, but nobody wants to take it. Yeah, well, we well, actually, I'm really confident um, people are rising, you know, uh, just like Ryan here. We have a lot of people in waiting. Um, it's just in terms of making the transition go smoothly. But yeah, I've been involved with chapter since we started in 2010 when we were tiny. Um, we had 30 members in Minnesota and now we have 1,700. Uh, oh, wow. And I went to the first mm -hmm. North American gathering and we had 1,000 members and that was in, oh, geez, I think that was 2000. 
12, it might've been, um, and there was a hundred people there. And now we have, uh, gatherings that was in Missoula, Montana. Now our, our gatherings are, they've been around the West, um, largely since we sort of grew out of the West, but, um, now they're back in Missoula, Montana, cause that's where our, our headquarters are. And, um, now we have 1700, our, our tickets for our, our North American rendezvous just sell out and we have 1700 and we're always trying to, this year they're trying to expand capacity. Um, so, I mean, we, we exist to, you know, to sort of sum it up, we exist to defend, uh, public lands and waters from privatization and degradation and for access to those public lands and waters. Um, cause as we'll talk about here, um, you know, we don't always have access to our own resources because maybe there's private land around some public land or, you know, we have bad stream access laws and a lot of places we have good ones. Uh, Minnesota, we do have good ones. Um, and then we, we also, um, work on scientific management of wildlife. So, you know, we weigh in on things like chronic wasting disease or um, because we believe in the North American model of fish and wildlife, which says that science should um, guide decisions and that, you know, that it, fish and wildlife are a public trust. So those are principles we strongly defend. <laughs> Clean watersheds are also BHA principle. So those are issues that we work on. And then, you know, it's not just advocacy. We do have a lot of fun. No, definitely. Um, we had at a rendezvous. I mean, Ryan, you don't know if you want to yeah, say that anything. was a blast. I'm sure we'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. Fastest growing conservation organization in the country. And how, and how do you, you know, if, if there's a listener out there and who's, who's interested, you know, how do they, let's say I want to be a member of BHA. Sure. How do I go about doing that? There's so many different ways. Um, I think what I would prefer is that you show up to an event and you come and shake our hands and say, what's up? Because it's so much more than a conservation organization. It's a community. And, you know, it sounds like so cheesy to say that, but it's really true. Like, <laughs> and you guys, you guys do have a lot of events. You guys yeah. have figured out that beer, because you have a lot well, of Well, you breweries. guys figured that out too, didn't you? Well, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but beer will bring people in. Like, yeah. Like it's, a, it's a so social grease. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Our last pint night, I don't know if it was the last one or not, but the one we did right before Pheasant Fest, uh, we did it at Able Seed House. They're, so gracious and they allow us to go there quite often. I think we had, what did we have? 150 yeah. plus people. Yeah, might have we were at that one. Were yep. you guys? Mm-hmm. Oh, so you saw me stand up and yep. like start talking. Yeah. yeah. Talking. Top Sorry about that. No, that's all right. no I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> we were handing all kinds of swag. It was a really good time. Um, but yeah, so that's what I would prefer. I would prefer that people show up to one of the pint nights or come and check out a booth at one of the events. If it doesn't get canceled in the next few weeks, you know, <laughs> yeah. a lot of stuff going on in the world right now, but uh, if, if you're not able to do that, then you can go to the website. We have an awesome website that is not only a great portal to sign up and become a member. There are different levels of membership, but there's all, it's also a great resource. There's a lot of information about uh, initiatives around the country related to the outdoors. Um, so the levels of membership start off. We have of, of note, I would say we have uh, veterans memberships, student memberships. So those are like 15 bucks a year, includes a backcountry journal, comes four times a year, which is a really high gloss, high quality publication, stories from around the country, even around the, the continent. Uh, so there's some inexpensive membership options right on up through lifetime memberships that are sponsored by or co-sponsored by underwritten, I guess I should say, 
by some of our national sponsors like Orvis or Kimber Firearms. So you can get yourself a new Kimber 1911 handgun, for example, by signing up for a lifetime membership. And I think that one's like 1500 bucks. Yeah. Yeah, so there you go. You get like a $900 (laughs) gun and uh, membership on top of it. I think Orvis, there's Helios now. Helios 3. Helios 3. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Glass. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah, backcountryhunters.org is our website. And then we're on um, Facebook and then we've got... Instagram, Instagram, all the social sites. Yeah, and we're on Twitter. BHA Min, I think, is Instagram, and then we're on Twitter too. But I don't run that stuff. So. And we'll we'll post the the URLs and the links and all the hashtag at things on the on the show notes too when we we push this out there. So we're hopefully we can push some people to you guys and at least get some eyes on what you're doing. And I guess that's the question: what's uh what's on the docket, or what is BHA Minnesota? Um, concentrating on lately um i'd say in terms of issues that we're advocating on i'd say uh probably three really big ones right now um the big one that is both state and federal more federal is opposing sulfide ore mining uh, next to the boundary waters that's been central to our organization since we got going. I remember when we first discussed it, we said, oh, we're coming out hard against a certain kind of mining. Is that going to be controversial? Well, we read into the science and oh, sulfide ore mining. You start reading more and more about it. And it's like, man, that is not taconite mining. It is chemically fundamentally different. I just want to throw out there. BHA is not an anti-mining organization. We just have a problem with that mine in that particular spot. Right. We support miners. Miners are great. I love miners. And that's one thing about BHA that I, I really love is we cross all of those political and we're not a species or a sport specific organization. So we just want public land to be there. We want it to be clean water, clean air, and just available for future use. I think that's right. that's a big key in, you know, environmental groups today is you need to figure out ways to work with as many people as you possibly can. Because if you're going to be an all or nothing group, you're going to, you know, polarize people and they're either going to hate you or they're going to love you. And right. Yeah. We we actually, we did a poll of our, uh, going a little sideways, but we'll get back to the stuff that we're working on in the state right now. But, um, we did a recent poll of our members 20 is when we think it's a strength, 27% Republican, 22% Democrat, 40% um, moderate or independent. And then we have like 8% refuse to say, Mm -hmm. so you go to a BHA event and, you know, and, and that, that that makes you more effective in terms of um, speaking to legislators. If you just had an event, you know, if you have some, members in the city going to, you know, largely, well, these days, you know, all Democrats, they don't, they maybe have this uh, general environmental sympathy, but they don't hear from the hunting and angling perspective that much. So that helps. And then in a rural area where, you know, it's deep red um, and you have members there and, you know, the sort of the, I'm not talking about Republican voters. I'm talking about the power structure of the Republican party has become quite anti-conservation. Republican voters have not. If you look at the polling data, Republican voters support conservation. Yeah. Then in a deep red area and you have a strong power base, there, going to Republican legislators. That has an impact, different impact than some, as you said, Matt, you know, some, you know, some 
green group that is yeah. perceived as left wing and that legislator immediately is like, oh, well, sure. But isn't there, what is that latest outdoor act? The great American outdoor act. That's got bipartisan right, right. support. I mean, it's, I wouldn't, uh, I don't know. I certainly don't know enough about politics or would I ever want to classify an entire political group as being this, that, or the other thing. Um, yeah. So great right. American outdoor act. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, look it up, call right, your right. senator, support it because it public it permanently funds the land water conservation act. So, right. No, we certainly have stuff. Yeah, no, I'm not, I don't mean to say we don't have Republican legislators and senators that are our allies, but mm -hmm. in general, you know, that's kind of where things line up. Yeah. It's, it's good to have as many partners as you can from right, yeah. all sides. Yeah. Who was it? Um, Howard Vincent at the Pheasant Fest is one of the main points he made in his like state of the public, state of the union, public lands conversation. He was like, it doesn't matter where you get the votes, like just get the votes, just get out there, cross those lines. Right. Who cares? Shake those hands. And that's again, circling back what I love about BHA. It's not species support specific. It's we're not, we just want public lands to be there. That's seriously all we care about. Mm -hmm. Want it to be there, want it to stay there for future generations to enjoy the same privileges and luxuries that we've had. My life wouldn't be the same if I didn't grow up walking in public land or when I moved out to Wyoming, having amazing access to it. <clears throat> you know, a lot of, a lot of people listening to this show take that kind of stuff for granted because when we're younger, we've it's like in large part shaped who we are, you know, become a core part of our identity. And, and we want that stuff to be available for, for future generations for it to affect them the same way it did us. Right. Yeah, no, it's something that we all kind of, I think, unfortunately, in the sporting community, there is a little bit of taking it for granted. Well, it's always been here, so, yeah. you know. Um, so what else are we working on? Yeah, um, you know, uh, a big thing is uh, chronic wasting disease. Um, and that's, you know, as far as, you know, as far as scientific management of wildlife protecting public resource from essentially, you know, what right now is a, one of the biggest threats is the private interest, which is the deer though the captive servant industry, I don't call it the deer farmers because they're not deer shouldn't be farmed. Um, and another thing we worked on just this last week or two weeks ago now at the legislature, week and a half ago at the legislature, um, we advocate for, and this is very of direct effect to us as anglers, uh, although a little less as trout anglers, but some are still fly fish on lakes. Um, aquatic invasive species has become sort of a, stalking horse for certain lakeshore associations to um, cut off public access. So we have, you know, made it very clear that we, we need strong action on uh, invasive species, but. Mm -hmm. Are you talking like zebra mussels, milfoil? Yes. That type of. Right. Type of and stuff. then, you know, but you get certain uh, testing regimes or, you know, inspection regimes that have been, it was set one was set up by Wright County, which was not effective, but it was really a, a way to keep, the public from getting their boats onto those lakes. Um, so that's something that did get scuttled, but it was pretty close. Um, and it was going to, and there, there's always that interest out there. So water access, stream access right now, the stream access law in, in Minnesota is pretty good. Um, you know, if you're in the water uh, below the high water mark, you have the right to be there regardless if it's private land on both sides. Mm -hmm. um, and there's good stream easement access in Minnesota right. as well. Oh yeah. It's fantastic. So, um, you know, around, the, around the country, it's, it, 
varies a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Minnesota is pretty good. You, you don't have the right necessarily to get up and go around. A, it's not clear, uh, a obstruction and walk on private land, but in the, you know, Wisconsin does have that right now. Um, but there's always threats to that. And there, you know, in a lot of States, these good stream access laws have had to be defended, um, by concerned citizens like us. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, Ryan, mm. you've spent some time in, well, in, in Wyoming, you can't even drop your anchor because people yeah. can own the river bottom. Yeah. And sometimes, right. sometimes they'd sit up on their property with binoculars and see if you did. I mean, I worked for a, a fly fishing company out there as a guide for a bit, like the world's most average guide guys. Like, don't let that, <laughs> you know, it's just, just what I did. Hank so, Patterson level. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Whitefish Unlimited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, sorry. Oops. No, you can. You can <laughs> no, this is the explicit podcast. We're all we're all good. You've been warned, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Did you hear that? That's hams. <laughs> just uh, another, just another hams. <laughs> but nah, dude. Like guys would sit up. There's this one section. So I got it. Um, Wilson to South Park and on the Snake River in Jacksonville. And there's a, a couple of spots on that section that. The dude owned the the land on either side of the river and they were good spots to fish. And so you would have either uh, private fishermen or guide services that would kind of, you know, either didn't know or did know and didn't care. And they would drop their anchor. And this dude would sit up on his, on his, uh, the top of his embankment, which was pretty far above the water with some binoculars. And he would write down the, the, the uh, identification of the, of the boats and get people in trouble. And that's a best case scenario because there was other parts of Wyoming where I went fishing where they'd come out with a shotgun. And if you dropped your anchor and you were faffing around on their land, you would not be surprised to hear, kaboom, kaboom, get the hell off of my lock. Mm-hmm. And like, they'd be shooting in your general direction. Um, yeah. There's some people get really upset about that kind of thing in certain places. So it's a, it's a luxury to have that uh, here in Minnesota and, yeah, I, I would uh, point out too. even just um, I mean, there's in terms of like not taking it for granted. You know, we have uh, in Wisconsin uh, recently now it got it didn't quite make it across the finish line, but there was legislation there to uh, uh, allow private landowners to put an obstruction across the stream. And then you would your access as a means of cutting off access. South Dakota, we just lost a lot of acreage on lakes. Um, where um, private landowners can essentially own under the lake and they can sure. post buoys. So um, it's, it's a something that, you know, we shouldn't take for granted. No. Yeah. And you also have to respect, you really, really have to respect the fact that that is uh, a privilege in some ways. I mean, you need to respect the fact that you have that access. And so just thinking out loud, that same section of river where I just mentioned guys would come out with a shotgun. Uh, there was a certain landowner there who would let people post up and get onto his land. You could drop anchor, you could fish his section. It's totally fine. And then people started to abuse that. And so what happened? Well, it got taken away. So point being that as outdoorsmen, we need to respect the resources. We need to make sure that we're acting uh, you know, yeah, sure. That might be like private land right over there, but that doesn't, you might have the ability to drop your anchor, but that doesn't mean you can throw your beer can over there or whatever. And that, right. most people don't do that, of course, but make sure that you uh, respect the, uh, the ability to do these things. So we don't lose any privileges that we do have, you know? 
Yeah. And it doesn't take that many people to really set somebody off, even if most people aren't doing it. I mean, still, no. I mean, you, you have bring some- it in, bring it out. And if you see it, pick it up. Right. Yeah. I mean, you just got to relate it to yourself. You know, you wouldn't want people walking down the street, throwing their garbage in your front yard. You know, it's, it's no. the same thing as, as if somebody has a parcel of land with a trout stream running through it or, you know, adjacent to public hunting land, you know, they don't want, want their garbage, you know, your garbage in their land. Yeah. Right. You know, so you got to respect the, the landowner. And you'd think that that goes without saying it's common sense, but and I'm sure every single person that's listening to this right now has never <laughs> done anything to the contrary of that, but there are <laughs> those people out there. You know what I mean? So, you know, that's yeah. all I'm saying. Brown trout and bridge beer listeners are the utmost stewards. I, oh, stewards I mean, anybody who water. drinks this much hams, you know they're going to get. We've devised a special systems to be able to pack in and pack out that much hams in one fishing trip. So <laughs> we've, God, I'm with masters. Just the masters. Yeah, yeah we've tr- been trying to develop a couple different ways to have kind of a float tube follow us down the river oh, that yeah. we can then, you yeah, know, dude, keep it cooler in. Yeah. We've thought about it many times, but just haven't, haven't executed yet. Yeah. But one of these the, days. We'll the ingenuity there. that you can devise when you're just trying get to a dream bring, boat. Yeah. The beer bandolero. That, that's a great idea. We can carry the, uh, we can put the, the, put the grill in there. Oh, nice. Like a bandolero, yeah, like, you know, cool. like the Mexican. I, I think, actually know that. <laughs> I think it was Sims. I think Sims come, has one of the, like, uh, what do they call them? Like the beer shotguns. I know Burton used to make them back there. We okay. could fit a six pack in it. Okay. It's like a chest size fanny pack for beers and it's insulated. Yeah. And you put your trout whistle in the back pocket? Exactly. Yeah. I think that's, <laughs> that's attached to a lanyard makes. that come out there. I we're, know. We're big fans you know of, the, yeah. of this, the hams, silos, the 24 ounces. Exactly. You know, if you have two water bottle, you know, spots on your pack, you <clears throat> yeah. can fit 48 ounces of what beer What about fly fishermen who drink White Claw? Huh? No, what? Yeah. Okay. yeah I don't know what that is. I have no idea what you're talking I know, about. I know, of, <laughs> I know of one person that claims to be a fly fisherman that drinks white claw and that's carf. <laughs> hey, I'm not yeah. judging anybody he f- out he there. Fishes mop flies. Being, he fishes mop flies and uh tinkara fishes. Um so that's actually hilarious. Is is, is tinkara fishing a, a known one in this pocket? I don't I, do it, but I'm just is that like a, seems a, like kind of an I wouldn't admit actually. it. Oh yeah. yeah. Unless, well, unless your last name's Carf. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Carf, I'm sorry I brought it up, dude. Tinkarfa. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's just not a not a style that we uh, we strive to check out anytime soon. That's for sure. Mm. Sorry, all you tinkar. Yeah, people. sorry, tinkar fishermen. I'm sorry, sure Yvonne. Sure you're, nice, you're nice for, people, but what about that natty lights? What was it that? Oh, the pink lemonade stuff last year. The natter days. Natter days. Oh yeah. my! God. Um, I know a crew down in Milwaukee that loves natter days. I um, went. I went a little too hams on some natter days one night. Oh, it was the night of the rendezvous last year. Really? Oh, yeah. No, it didn't treat me good. No. <laughs> oh, it was delicious. That's why we stick the hams. It treats us well. And uh, yeah. turns out it's, it's turned some fishing trips around anyway, uh, you guys didn't, at a proper time. Didn't sign up to hear about beer drinking. We want to talk about fishing. Right. <laughs> it's a beer <laughs> drinking fishing podcast. Yeah, it's kind yeah, of a kind of mix of both. <laughs> yeah. Mix of both. Yeah. Well, with the... Uh, as a, as I was saying before, we it, it, those the coronavirus thing is, is is sweeping the country, but and they're telling us all to stay away from each other and, and oh, yeah. fishing mm-hmm. is a way to 
get some social distance. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I'm looking at the moment. You know, it's like, eh, you know, at least personally, I got a decent income. I got good health. Must be nice. Families, you know, <laughs> You'll get well, there. <laughs> what, depending on what your measure is, you know, I mean, just, you know, it, but you know, it's, it's you with the coronavirus, you have toilet paper in your linen closet. Oh yeah. So that's, that's living good. Right. 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 But I also, and I, you know, I just want to think, Hey, I can also get, I'm fortunate enough that I, I can get out in the woods and yep. I can get out in the rivers. And so, um, I think that's the important piece to take away from this coronavirus Pete, you know, thing is, you know, they're telling us not to gather in large, large groups. Yeah. Go outside. Right. I mean, we, uh, we fish a lot of places pretty close to the Metro. And I mean, we might run into two, maybe three anglers in the summertime. Yeah. But like now, you know, this time of year, you're not running into anybody. Yeah. Even if you want to just go outside and go for a walk, you know, in the woods or down the streams or look for squirrels or whatever makes you happy. I mean, you can get out there and not have to run into anybody. Yeah. Amen to that. You can pay yeah. for your gas. Outside, you don't even <laughs> yeah. have to go inside. Yeah. Bring your Clorox wipes. Make sure you wipe it down first. But yeah. you don't even have to see people to be able yeah, to go we outside. Have, and do we have a things. DNR natural area, like oh, not even a quarter mile from our house, eighth of a mile. And my wife loves going down there. She she'll go hiking, and she just when she's had enough of everything, she just goes down there for an hour and just walks around and is in the woods and the prairie, and she loves it. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, with public lands, if, if that wasn't there, it just wouldn't be the same. Yeah. You know? mm -hmm. It's really yeah. important on a lot of levels. Well, I, you know, I, I live in South Minneapolis, but I, you know, I think about the state and one of the wonderful things is you have some nice urban areas, but boy, it is not far from, and I live right in the heart of the city, but you know, 90 minutes from my house, I can be on a, well, it's sort of semi wilderness backcountry hunt or, you know, sure they're, they're used a lot. And, you know, listeners, a lot of them have used, used these rivers, but I mean, the, the Kinney connects what 45 minutes from my house, yeah. the yep. rush is, I think uh, if I <laughs> really pushing it, you know, an hour, yeah, yep. maybe I, I got two speeding tickets in Wyoming last year. So <laughs> you're going to want to, yeah, tone I got, it down I got, I got to tone it down, maybe make an hour and five minutes, but I mean, you know, we've got, you even have the vermilion down there, which has some phenomenal fishing in yeah. it. And TU's done yeah. a lot of work for stream access down there. And that's, I mean, for my office in West St. Paul, I can get to the vermilion 18 minutes. Wow. You know, and I can go there and fish after work. And I did that a few times last year and just catching chunker rainbows, you know, stocked chunker rainbows. But you're out there fishing. You got to watch out for the, uh, I have the quail hunters or... Uh, Something doves, dove hunters shooting over my head when yeah, I was there yeah. uh, in one of those sections last During fall. September, but, yeah. yeah, just pepper you a little bit. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> ah, ah, it was close. I could hear, like, you know, when you can hear the wad yeah. kind of go over your head. Yeah, 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 yeah. it was that situation because the, you know, the grass and stuff and everything was so sure. tall, they couldn't see me. I couldn't see that. All I heard was gunshots. I'm like, I'm just gonna walk out. You know, let's just mitigate any situations. I had something similar with uh, squirrel oh. hunters one time. Down on the root. Kinda, oh, okay. They were on this side of the river. I was in the river and the squirrels they were shooting at were on the other side of the river from them. So, yeah, it was fun. Mm. But, uh, but no, I mean, like with, like I was talking about my wife in this DNR natural area just down the road. I mean, with 
BHA and public lands, um, I think a lot of times people think of like nat, you know, national parks and national right, forests and right. large chunks of land, but there's a lot of smaller, you know, right. 10 acre, 20 acre parcels of land scattered throughout the state and the country that are public lands. And I think those are the ones that people need to focus the most on as far as possibly being taken away. Yeah. Cause, cause you could take 10 acres of land away and nobody's going to even notice it. Right. You know, except for the half dozen people that use that quite regularly. Well, well yeah. One thing that we did work on last week as well, and we've kind of tried to shift some focus and not always focus on the, or, or branch out, I should say. I mean, we still have the focus on sort of the, I'd say the, you know, the, the biggest, grandest uh, public lands, like the Boundary Waters and some of these uh, incredible national forests and stuff uh, in the Western U.S. But also in, in, in our state, you know, there are people who in our membership, you know, the Boundary Waters, sure, they like that we're working on that. But, you know, one thing they really like it is we advocate for all public land. So last week, we were a week and a half ago, as I said, we were at the legislature and we were one of the things we were really excited about was walls. The, the governor proposed using bonding money to buy new wildlife management areas, um, mm-hmm. which that hasn't happened in 11 years because ever since the legacy amendment passed, which is wonderful. But, you know, and we are one of the two states that's actually adding public land. Most states are not adding. They're either losing or just staying the same. Um, the legislature has and the past two governors, I mean, Dayton was good at protecting the legacy amendment. Um, and Plenty did sort of let the put say, OK, you know, he gave some support to the legacy amendment getting on the ballot. But ever since the legacy amendment passed, both those two governors, they never proposed putting uh any new public land they just sort of said oh the legacy amendments taking care of that well the intent of that conservation committee was that we're not doing enough we were acquiring public lands in the bonding bill regularly and we need but we, we looked at the situation we said we're not doing enough we need to add to that so let's mm-hmm. pass the legacy amendment what's happened since then is the legacy amendments taken, you know, sort of been the legislature's just, Oh, we've got the legacy amendment for that. We don't need to do anything more for acquiring new, new public lands. But, you know, uh, I agree, Matt, uh, so many of those little places sort of, especially for, you know, close to uh, urban areas or mm-hmm. suburban areas, or I, I would say also in some of these rural areas in the Western part of the state where there's very little public land, those are really important. Those 40 acres, yeah. those hundred acres, those 200 acre places. So. And do you guys have any recommendations on how general public can go out and find these public lands? Like, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously there's that one app that everybody knows about, but I'll say that the Minnesota DNR has done an amazing job with Recreation Compass. And if you all haven't used that, you need to go check it out right now. Uh, just search Minnesota DNR Recreation Compass and it's a state of the state of Minnesota map, uh, color coded all the public uh, land uh, areas within Minnesota. And you can search by county. You can upload those into Google uh, Earth and then look at the county and all of the wildlife management areas or whatever else you want to filter it by. And that's one of the better resources I've found. I mean, obviously, yeah, Onyx or whatever, but which is great. Like, don't get me wrong. It's great. But everybody knows about Onyx. Right. Um, I love it. But yeah, I sort of DNR gets it, needs some credit for the, the they, great. They have great um, fishing access maps as yeah. well. Yeah. 
PDFs. You download them all yep. to your phone. I have them all on my phone, and you have them with you all the time. Right. No, use um, in addition to Onyx, which of course we all love. But I mean, use um, use those those public agencies. You know, the you talk about the Rec Compass, Ryan. But also, right. I would also call because I have not had a conservation officer. I think once I had somebody not call me back when I had some really weird question, but normally if you, they're not going to, you know, you, you don't call saying, well, give me your exact honey hole, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but it, to, you say, okay, this is a kind of fishing trip I want. This is kind of hunting trip I want, or I'm taking my family. And I want to do a few different things at once, you know, cause you know how that is like, Yep. You got a kid that got to please everybody. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I got a, a twins and one of them loves to fly fish and one of them loves to hunt. And my wife likes to do a little bit of both. And I love to do both. Um, you know, uh, you, you, and you got some other experiences that people want to do. And a lot of times, you know, these, uh, conservation officers and the, the staff there, that's part of their job is to help you sort mm-hmm. of, they're not, you know, they're not there to, you know, hold your hand through it. They're there to, you know, give you direction and say, okay, you know, you, you say, Hey, what are some ideas? And this, this experience I want. And they say, well, you could try this, you could try that. Um, so definitely use them because, you know, and they do, they work for you. And frankly, you know, the, they know that the hunting and angling community pays, you know, as their biggest supporters mm-hmm. and pays, I mean, sure. Pays their salary. Hey, we the pay their part. salary, but we also, um, we do support the, I mean, unfortunately, Sometimes, you know, that doesn't always come through, but, you know, the majority of hunters and anglers understand that, you know, um, that are supportive of, of, uh, wildlife fish and wildlife agency staff. Yeah. It should be when you're on the phone with them, thank them for the good work they're doing. Yeah. I, yeah. I think a lot of times they get a bad rap or, you know, they're the man, yeah. you know, and, you know, people are you know inherently against <laughs> them, but, uh, yeah, I mean, they do work for us and they do appreciate, you know, kind, courteous questions and they're more than willing to help you. Right. Right. And they might be some of the most knowledgeable people that you can get information from. They're they're out out there every day. You know, that might be, they probably are. Um, Mm -hmm. And if you're nice to them and, you know, shake their hand. They do. They, they hear from the angry minority. They they do. They don't hear Um, from the people that can, I wouldn't say the content majority, but the majority that says, yeah, yeah, I trust them. I think they're, they're doing basically doing a good job. And, you know, so. um, my, I've talked about this in the past on podcasts, but my dad for the longest time was a trout and salmon program coordinator for Minnesota. And I helped him out at several expos and, you know, events and stuff, you know, just kind of handing out brochures and stuff. And, um, I would say 95% of the people that came up to our booth had nothing nice to say. I mean, they were telling you everything that you were doing wrong. And, you know, the, the lake down the street from their house doesn't have enough walleyes in it. And (laughs) why did they stock this many walleyes in that Mm. lake? And, you know, there's no this or that. And it's just, and then, but every now and then you'd get somebody that says, you know what, thanks for all that you do. And, and I think that, you know, goes a long ways. You're definitely going to get, you know, more with, with honey than vinegar. When you talk to these people. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I didn't know that. I challenge <laughs> yeah, everybody it, listening to this to call up their <laughs> conservation officer yeah, it, and thank them for the hard was, work they're doing. Oh, yeah. Please, it was amazing how many people had negative things to say. It's so funny to me because, and I'm like, I digress and I realize that, but when you're younger and you think about, oh, what do That's I want to do, is what do, I do with yeah. my life? 
and somebody says to themselves, you know what? I think I want to be a conservation officer. I love being outside. I love outdoor sports and I want to be involved with that and do that for the rest of my life. Yeah. And then to show up there and have people be like, oh man, there's not enough walleye in this lake <laughs> down the road. <laughs> Didn't you know? <sighs> you know, I mean, like, I don't know. You never want to make those guys feel like it's a thankless position. So thank you guys so much for the work. And, and I will say that, you know, my dad and the other guys that, that do this um, and they put on the face for the state to talk to the public, they do a great job of smiling, nodding their head yep. and saying, I'll look into that. Well, that's <laughs> a skill, honestly. Well, and it's a skill. And I know, I knew a, quite a fair amount of the wardens and uh, conservation officers back in Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, I originally went to UW Siemens Point to be a, a warden until I realized that uh, I had to work during the best times where you were hunting and fishing. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. I've heard yeah. some wardens and, uh, say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Lament about I, that. You know, I went on ride-alongs when I was a senior in high school, you know, and did a couple ride-alongs when I was in, in college and, you know, talked to some people and friends back home. And I was like, yeah, that doesn't sound like fun at all. Like you have to, you have to give many props to these guys out yeah, there and women that, and it's not short-term gigs, you know, all the wardens or officers that I know, I mean, it's minimum at least 10 years and 20 years and 30 years. I mean, oh, they're, 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 they're dedicating their yeah, life. Yeah. It's not, Oh, I'm going to try this out for a couple of years. This is, this is a lifestyle. And, and I think, and I think that's most of the people that get into the, um, you know, kind of the natural resource. Yeah, exactly. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. One of the interesting things about the natural resource thing is uh, some of the people who are pissed a lot of times is uh, they don't understand that like usually what happened was they actually, they said, well, they did, they pulled this out of their hat and they, they, they just made this decision without consulting anybody. Well, actually, like if you get into it, they've consulted all these people and they had like, you know, and they've had surveys and all this stuff. And people have different preferences of what they want, yep, exactly. Yep. You know, and so then, like, really, no, they, it wasn't conspiracy against you. You know, you were part of the thirty percent that disagreed with the fifty percent that wanted mm-hmm. X. You know, oh, you, we wanted bigger bucks, and and this other group didn't. They just wanted more deer, or you know, we wanted as far as you know, if it's managing a stream, you know, uh, how do we manage that stream, and yeah. you know, what do we want? in terms of do you want that to be a, you know, big fish, how do you manage that fishery and for who and, and the users, you know, yeah, is, is, what it do they put, want? is it put and take, or is it going to be, you know, a trophy stream or there might yeah. be like, you well, know, half a dozen good sized fish. And a big part of it too, is like, if you want to get your input in, I mean, the DNR holds these public meetings all right? the time and you can go and voice your opinion or voice or submit opinions or, or ideas. And that stuff can get pushed along and eventually, Come into law mm-hmm. if you, you know, if, if you uh, work hard enough and, and work together with should. the state on that. And then does B- it, BHA work with state organizations? Uh, we've done a lot with uh, the agency in the Minnesota DNR, um, especially around the, the Learn to Hunt yeah. program mm-hmm. uh, in Minnesota, which is we, me and uh, actually me and a former director of the um, hunting recruitment retention office at Jay Johnson sort of co-founded this thing called the adult learn to hunt. And it was ever since the beginning, um, a lot of BHA members have been involved as mentors. And there's a guy named Ben Pena, who's our sort of lead guys in crowd He's a captain of the Minneapolis fire department. He's 
spends tons of time teaching people how to hunt. We other states and we would like to and do that here. Done some branching out into fishing, like Colorado, done some work with the Colorado Parks and Wildlife, our, our chapter there on uh, introduction to backcountry fishing. So we would like to expand that, you know, but we've done a lot of partnering with the agency. I actually. did it. I was one of the mentors. Good. Did you guys hear that? Wait, did you guys? There we go. There it is. Time. So, <laughs> so here's like a big question because Matt and I have been throwing this around of southeastern, yeah, southeastern Minnesota turkey hunting. Do you yeah. guys do a, a mentorship for turkey hunting or is it, are you guys primarily targeting like deer hunting or is there a specific well, there's a, species there's a, uh, there's a college program and they're doing that this year, right? They, Ryan? There's yeah, a hunting first to sustainability. They're doing a turkey hunt this spring. Yes. Uh, long story short. Yes, we do. There are, there's pheasant hunting, learn to hunt. There's deer hunting. There's turkey hunt, hunting. I did the pheasant hunting. So I signed up to be a mentor. Uh, we did a training through the DNR at the VFW of Minneapolis. Huh, I guess it was about a year ago now. There's and a the, VFW in Minneapolis. Yeah, I think no. there is. Right? There is. There is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's on Lindale Avenue. You're always thinking like, did I mistake that? Is there not? <laughs> yeah, yeah no, it definitely was. Uh, and then we I got just a, seem more rural. Yeah, 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 they're all over the place, I guess. Yeah. But it was a great experience, and we ended up doing it in partnership with Modern Carnivore, Pheasants Forever, grant funded. And it took place uh, out in, uh, what was it, Sandpine? I'm probably not saying that right. Out by St. Cloud. Sorry. Apologize mm-hmm. to who, apologies Sorry. to whoever's pheasant farm this was. But uh, there was it was an amazing experience. There was three-day weekend. So everybody showed up. We did meet and greet. All the mentors were pa- paired with a mentee. I think there was about nine or ten mentees and nine or ten mentors. Uh, and we all hunted on Saturday and we did food that night, cooked up the pheasants we had. Uh, and then we talked about it at Pheasant Fest this last uh, couple of weeks ago and did a big panel discussion about it. And I think that there's a short video that was made by Modern Carnivore you can probably find online. But it's an awesome experience. It's really important. The R3 initiatives that are happening across the country that BHA are heavily involved with is extremely important. We have to get more. We have to get more license sales. We have to get more funding because that's the primary source of funding for outdoor uh, matters and issues. And so... It's a, uh, it's really important. Also, I, I think it's kind of funny because I was cruising Instagram one day and an ex-girlfriend of mine was posting her success story from a learn to hunt experience for deer in Idaho. And she'd never hunted before in her life. And I'm like cruising through. I'm like, oh yeah, wait, what? Maybe I should have stayed with her. Oh no, I'm, no, no. I'm not. She's got a great crazy. shot now. Watch been, out. I was just telling these guys I've moved like 20 times in my life. She took off. She moved out of Jackson Hole. Jackson's one of those towns. People come and go all the time, you know? Uh, so now nothing against her. She's doing great things out in Idaho right now. But, yeah. <laughs> Good. Shooting big monster bucks without you. Oh, no, it was a tiny spike, but, you know, that's cool. Like, it's not, I got to start somewhere, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so have you guys grown up hunting and fishing, or is this something that later on in life you guys came into? You know, for me, it's, I want to say, yes, I'm such a professional. I've been doing it forever. <laughs> but that's really not the case. Now that I look back on it, yes, I did. Like, well, we went out with my uncles, we went duck hunting. I grew up in Red Wing. And so we'd go out on the, across from Wabasha and Nelson. We'd go chase some ducks around. It was the best time, best time ever. My cousins used to call, call me uh, Sky Blaster because I was so terrible <laughs> at shooting ducks. Maybe you should edit that out. No, I'm just kidding. I don't care. Uh, exactly. It's so funny. And then my dad, like we'd go out 
we'd go out uh, deer hunting just every once in a while, like a few times, you know, he wasn't a big deer hunter, <clears throat> but I feel like he almost used it more of an excuse to get out of the house Yeah, because mm-hmm. he'd be sitting out there with a freaking pint of peppermint schnapps. And I'm like, <laughs> looking back on this, I'm like, there's no way a deer is going to come. <laughs> just happen to walk by us in the middle of the woods, unless they're like, oh, where's the party? You know, like, I mean, come on. So, so I moved out to Wyoming and that's kind of when I got into to big game hunting and got more into fishing. Like it, the seeds were planted when I was young, but then I got into it as an adult. So I'm sort of this cross between somebody that's been doing it for a long time and what they call an adult onset hunter. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I, that's probably true of me as well, because I didn't have the support in a lot of ways when I was growing up. My, my grandfather. So uh, story is my dad is a, a Norwegian immigrant, but he's lived here. We lived, lived in Nora for two years as, as I was a child. So, uh, but um, most he's lived here for um, 48 of those 50 years since uh, he came over here and married my mom. And, you know, so he didn't hunt, but, you know, he had, uh, he came from a fishing community. So he support when I got interested in fishing, um, you know, he was supportive, but where he came, what he grew up in was a very utilitarian kind of fishing, yeah. not, not sport fishing. That was kind of the culture he grew up in. And my mom uh, came from a hunting family. Uh, and fishing family. So my American uh, on her side, uh, my American grandfather uh, taught me how to fish. Uh, yeah. uh, about when I was taught me to fish when I was about five, and I really mm-hmm. got into it. And uh, hunting uh, was something I started to pick up as a teen, but that was really through sort of back then. It's way different now, but I went to Richfield High School, and um, uh, we, it was so common that people that boys would talk about hunting mm-hmm. in high school. And when I wanted to get my own 22, my mom and dad said, that's fine. Go earn your money and <laughs> yeah. go buy it. And my mom took me down to the store and, you know, so she knew enough about it to kind of be okay with it, but yep. um, neither of them were that interested. So I kind of fumbled around a lot. My friends helped me out. Um, my, I had a, an uncle, uh, but he lived too far away that, you know, was first time I shot a rifle that was on a family trip out to Colorado to see him. So I fumbled around a lot, but I've been doing it since I was a teen, but you know, I didn't shoot my first deer until I was 30. I did get into fly fishing pretty intensely. Um, when I was late high school and then stuck with it in college. And, uh, that was, you know, so that's always like, that's just been a passion of mine. Um, and then I'd say, hunting has, has grown a lot since I've gotten, you know, bumped into people that would help me. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as a member of a community support agriculture, and then they, the guy who ran it was into deer hunting and, you know, he helped me out, you know, so I'm a little bit of a cross myself. Um, I've always had that interest, but frankly, you know, I wasn't, I didn't have a lot of good mentors right around me, you know? I mean, I, I was successful with squirrel and duck and pheasant hunting with my friends in high school and college. That's, that's about it. And then I fumbled around quite a bit at post-college trying to learn how to do it myself. Trying to know? figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, uh, what got you into the fly fishing? Um, I don't know. There's something, you know, the connection is with the fish is more intense That might've been it. I, you know, I remember there was a book that it was actually a great uncle. He just, he knew I was into fishing and I don't know if he knew what 
jack about, you know, <laughs> anything. He just pulled a book off the shelf, but it was Joe Brooks trout fishing. Yeah. And he started, I started paging through that and, and I was like, oh, this, this looks kind of cool. And it's all, you know, Joe Brooks is like, it's a little uh, arty or a little pretentious yeah. or something, but I thought it looked kind of like, well, that's a cool thing to try. So, but then when I, I don't know what it was, I brought a cheap, you know, I don't Martin rod or something, you know, at catching sunfish and then catching bass on a fly rod. It's like, wow. And then, you know, then I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm here. All these people talk about going after uh, trout on a fly rod and I caught some trout on spin gear, but man, this'll be something, you know? So it was a river runs through it for me. I think oh, yeah, no, you're, just, you're, you're, I am a hundred percent in that generation. I remember sitting at the young age. I don't know. It's like seven, six, seven or whatever with my brother and my mom watching the river run through it. I'm like, that's the coolest thing I've yeah. ever seen. Oh God. It was so fun though. Oh, I want a fly rod. I'm, yeah, I'm older. <laughs> God, that's I'm what the, got my wife into it. I'm the young gun. I mean, that's, I mean, I remember like you sat there and you're like, cause it, you know, Northern Wisconsin walleye fishing. Bass fishing, maybe. Uh, in northern Wisconsin, you guys got a river run through it like 15 years after it came out in theaters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It took a, it took a little bit for the horse and buggy to get up there yeah, on the old trail. The yeah. blockbuster. Yeah, the blockbuster. We the didn't blockbuster have blockbuster. on Main Street, Monocle. No, we had like the local grocery store that had like exactly. VHS rentals on like an old like oh, kind of note card that you, you know, fill out and hand it in. And Was it in a, like a, like a, uh, I'm not going to say like, not like a motor home, mobile home, but like, you know, like one of those construction. Yeah. I was about as close to that. that as you could that's get. the way it was. My wife grew up in Abbotsford, Wisconsin, and their yeah. grocery store had like a small, you know, like construction site type mobile home. And that was their video rental outside yeah. the grocery store. Really? Yeah. Wow. Cool. And I imagine Monaco was, it wasn't too far off that at all. <laughs> not at all. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, you got to start somewhere. So if yours wasn't the river runs through it, Ryan, then yeah. What was it? I went to a, <clears throat> I went to a, a barn sale in Wyoming and found a fly rod. And really? Yeah. Jeremy West, Jones. You found a fly rod. Jeremy Jones. In a barn sale. Yeah. Imagine that. I mean, really it's, I, I don't know if it's much more complicated than that, to be honest. I moved to Wyoming and all of a sudden all the fish around were trout. And I was like, well. I guess I better catch some of these trout. <laughs> and, right. and it, I mean, for y'all that haven't been out there, you should go for sure. And, but I really was at a barn sale, just kind of thinking, man, I like want to get into fishing. I had it in the back of my mind, fly fishing. Uh, Cause I grew up fishing a lot. That's one thing I did a ton of when I was a kid. And we used to go out on the ponds around front neck, Minnesota with my buddy fuzzy. And catch all kinds of fuzzy. Us. Yeah. Fuzzy chat. We just call How come fuzzy? fuzzy's not on the podcast? <laughs> Cause he can't grow a beard. Oh. That's why he's not here. So <laughs> but, but just, people can't like see his beard. Peach fuzz? Is that yeah, that's just fuzzy? fuzzy yeah, that's so. fantastic. Freaking chat. God, what's up, chat? Get not, him on the phone. You're not listening <laughs> to this right now, but dude, wish you were around, man. He's out in Colorado now. He's cool. Um, but no, like, found a fly rod. And what I think what, what captivated me originally was just, I wanted to go fishing. I love fishing. But then what really kind of hooked me was not so much the complexity of the flies and the tying and like I don't get all worked up about about or like hoity-toity about any of that kind of stuff at all what I what I love about it <clears throat> is 
uh, the like action of just being so in tune with presenting this very small thing in this very specific manner. And it's either that or I loved catching sagebrush behind me on the riverbank. It was one of those two things. I don't know. That's we, all, we all start there, you know, for sure. But but then you get to a certain point where you're, now you're, say, maybe on a bighorn or something in Thermopolis. And don't, just kidding. Don't go there. There's no fish. Uh, and you're, like, looking at these amazing, amazing fish just coming up and sipping these tiny little flies. And you have to make that 40, 50-foot cast and you have to get it right in front of them. And you can't even see your fly because it's so far away. So you're just setting on the on the take, what you what you hope is a take. They're probably eating another bug that's a real right. bug because there's so many sitting all over the water. Right. Um, and just that kind of evolution, that exponential growth of of something that's well, A, it's it's always in a beautiful spot too, which is a great part about fly fishing, especially out in Montana or Wyoming. You're always in the mountains somewhere. So yeah, I don't know. Serendipity, I guess, in some ways. So, Jackson, have you fished the one fly contest? I almost rode it as a guide, uh, and I didn't. Decided not to. I don't know why I didn't do it that year. But no, I've never fished it. It's kind of a hard thing to get into to fish. Mm-hmm. You got to be on a team, you know, and that's like big money. Um, but but I almost rode it. I should have rode it. I should have guided it. Actually, that would have been. Really Did you fun. fish the elk preserve? Oh yeah, that's yeah, that's flat a great creek. Spot to fish. Yeah, yep. for sure. Yeah, no, that's that's like fun. I yeah, mean, that's, that's a, that's like, a good place on. to fish. But there's stuff like that all over there, though. Yeah, and I'm not going to give any secrets away. But I mean, there's so many little creeks, and maybe they come up off a Palisade Reservoir. Maybe they don't. And like, there's just so much fun stuff. I mean, there's salmon down in Palisade Reservoir just south of Jackson. There's kokanee in there, and they'll run up those little creeks. Man, I really shouldn't be saying these things. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I won't give away the best. So that's who cares? That's another part about like about outdoor sports that we all need to kind of get over. And if we want more people involved, and this kind of goes ties back in with BHA and like crossing those boundaries. If you want more people involved, and we need more people involved, we need more people participating in the outdoor sports because participation numbers are are falling, they're declining. Mm-hmm. You know, we kind of got to move away from the mentality of "oh, my spot, your spot, this spot." Oh, I can tell you, and I want to see you out there. It's like you just got to bring people out there. You got to get people involved. Um, but but no, there's a lot of great spots like Flat Creek out out in Jackson for sure. Yep. Um, we're lucky to have a lot of good trout in Wyoming for sure. So. Yeah, Did you guys yeah. catch cutthroat when you're out there. On the park, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we got, got some, some good ni- some really nice yellow or uh, cutthroat out of Yellowstone, like 17, 18, 19. Oh yeah, somewhere in there. Yeah, he lost one probably over twenty between your legs because my net man, my net man was where was, was, like, where was that? Man? I'm like waving him down, saying, "Get <laughs> he down!" He's like, way. "Oh what? What? I don't see it. How do you not see it? It's the size of my calf. It, it was, it is a big fish. It was, yeah. Um, that, that was my so bad. When was this? What did he hit on? Two years ago. Um, like dry or wet or what? It was a dry fly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what's so great about cutties, man. Mm-hmm. They just have such an insatiable appetite. That was the most fun fish to guide. And it was such a great fish to put beginners on because the growing season in that part of the country is so short. So cutties evolved to just eat it. They're yeah. like, I don't know. That's probably, that's <laughs> yeah. probably food. I'll eat it. Yeah, yeah. You know? And they, they wise up a little bit for sure. We had this one fish we called Scarface and he'd sit right underneath the same tree every year and we could catch him year after year for like three years in a row. We go down and be like, this is where Scarface lives. Kids. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to get him this year? You know, 
And sure enough, and those big old fish, man, you catch them and, and they realize what's going on. They're like, God damn it. It's not again. So stupid. I will, um, yeah. The one time uh, really got into nice cutthroat. That was a number of years ago. And well, before we have, 15 year old twins. As I was telling you guys before it was before they were born. My wife and I had this tradition and we'd always Back go in out. The good days. Yeah. We'd always <laughs> go out. Oh, your parents out the there. West, uh, out West pretty much every year fly fishing or almost every year. And it was on the Yellowstone river in the yeah, park, yeah, and, yeah. but I didn't experience that. The, the, the cuts were really easy. I mean, we caught, we landed some nice fish that night, but sure. it was, we had, we'd, jumped around a number of rivers, but so one night, okay, we're going to fish, fish the Yellowstone where the, where the cuts are, you mm-hmm. know, it's a pure strain. And, uh, as this caddis hatch that was like oh, intense yeah. and they were, it felt like they were kind of picky because, oh yeah, uh, there were so many of, you know how it is. It's like, there's so many of them and it's gotta be just right. Well, yeah. They'll get keyed on in on yeah, something. Yeah. Sometimes they'll key in on like, just like a, um, like a mangled one, we call it like a cripple. Yeah. A cripple. Yeah. I should know. Or just ones that face, you know, left. Yeah. Right. Right. Look at keyed in on something real specific. Is there sometimes when there's a big old hatch, but no, it, one, one thing, you know, just talking about the magic of fly fishing, there's that uh, Ryan, you were talking about watching those, those trout, like sip these tiny midges yeah. or tiny yeah, flies. Yeah, yeah. There's something about that. That is a just, the moment when you're watching that fish rise and you're yeah. floating, whatever dry and it's an intense hat. My, one of my favorite hatches, maybe it is my favorite hatch is a, is the sulfur hatch, you know, up here sure. in mm-hmm. the kid yep. in the rush and some of the other rivers around here. And, uh, I don't know, you know, at that, when that one gets going, it's really, it's pretty intense. Big and, fish on small dries. Is, yeah. You know, who doesn't like that? Yeah. Those few seconds when that fish is rising. <laughs> yeah. It's like there's nothing else in the Music world. Music plays in the back of your mind. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Here it comes. And do it, just honestly, do it. like for me, like I don't care how big the trout is. If they're eating dry flies, like we were fishing last Sunday and I knew I was casting a like six inch brown trout. Yeah. <laughs> and I did it for like 20 minutes straight just to get one on. Yeah. I was like, all right, made that happen. Amen. I'm glad you said that. Still a good time. For sure. Still fun. Yeah, sure. I I mean, I can honestly say that I don't really care how big the fish are. I just yeah. like catching fish. Mm-hmm. Um, it's nice when you catch a good size one. Yep. You know, don't get me wrong, but, you know, I just like catching them. I kind of yeah. feel like, I don't know, 99.5% of fishermen feel that way, really. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day. Yeah. See, I, I, I figure that the inches all add up. At the end of the day, you can catch like one, <laughs> one 24 inch fish or like 10, six inch fish. And, you know, yeah. you I catch have, 10, six right, inch right fish now I, I have a thing with uh, my daughter, I'm, my twin daughters, one of them, uh, uh, as I was uh, telling you, telling these guys off my, before I got going, one of them really loves fly fishing and one, one of them really loves hunting and Teresa, it, she's gotten into fly fishing. And one of the things, I mean, sure, I, I, I am taking her out west this this year and she's going to get to fish the Gallatin with a guide and all that in Montana. Um, and I'm hoping that actually she does lay into some bigger fish. But sure. one of the things that she hasn't gotten to see yet, she's seen some hatches, but she's never since she's never been there when there's like there's something about an intense hatch. Oh, no, it's a special it, moment. It, it's sure. amazing. Mm-hmm. Like and it's different. Mm-hmm. Than, I mean, it's 
any hatch is cool when fish start to key in on it and they start rising. But when there's just like clouds of caddis or sulfurs or, mm-hmm. or pale morning dawn or whatever, I mean, it's like. We got the BWOs coming up here soon too. Right. That's going to be clouding off the rivers in the local areas. Yeah. Which will be fun. Yeah. Hopefully she drops into that. That'll. It'll blow her mind if she hasn't seen it before. Right. I mean, yeah, she's the first, first fish she caught on a fly was actually in, uh, it was a little fluky, but we were on a family trip in late March and it was warm enough that we could camp. We were in, in Northeastern Iowa and it was Paint Creek and it was kind of a put and take. Uh, it's in one of the tiny little chunks of public land that Iowa has uh, in that Northeastern section. It's beautiful. And the kids wanted to see what I spent uh, kind of, there was a, a spell where we bopped around the upper Midwest and we lived in Norway, but you know, most of my life's been in here, but Iowa, Chicago. And so they want to see, I spent two, three years of my childhood in Decorah and they wanted to see Decorah, you know? So and do was, I. And so it was like, it was a big it's deal. nice down there. It's it was a good here. pizza place in Decorah. Yeah, yeah. But it was like, oh, let's see the, the house that dad lived in. It's, I don't forgot how, it was maybe they were 12 or 13, so it was a few years ago now. And uh, I was like, well, there's trout streams there and, you know, and it just happened like late morning, you know, and it was one of those, uh, uh, this mild spell in March and, oh man, there's a blueing olive hatch and fish are right. I'm like, Teresa, come over here. Come over here. So what about toppling Goliath? Speaking of Decorah, not to hit on, like hit on hams or anything, but job. It's too fancy of a beer. Oh, yeah. is it fancy? Well, it's, it's not hams. Yeah. Uppity. It's a little uppity. I've had it before. It's very good beer. That's all I'm. I can have about a a a single yeah uh, pint of that, but after that, I got to go back to hams. Yeah, fair enough. It's a safe water. I love it. I'm sorry. I think it's delicious. Oh, it is. Pompeii. It's one of the better Jesus. things that comes out of Iowa. Not that's, gonna argue with you. That's for sure. Not I was I'm trying to think of something on one else. side of that at the other. They have trout. Um, they have great pheasants. They have great pheasant hunting. Yeah, um, yeah. some of the best pheasant public land pheasant hunting I've ever had. It's been in north one hundred percent northwest Iowa. Yeah. yeah, I cannot disagree with you. There, you man. drive down a uh, gravel road, and there's signs in the corners of the the fields. Mm. And if there's a a truck parked at this one, just drive a half mile down the road, and there'll be another spot you can hunt. Mm. I mean, it it is like. I don't know why people would drive all the way to South Dakota. Right. When you, when you have to go past Iowa. Right. Well, Iowa. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's nice. It is, it is sparse though. I mean, in terms of it's, you know, the land is so rich for agriculture that it's, and so much of it is that it's like, it got, it's like hard for, it gets to be a political issue that, oh man, you know, we're taking away some good farmland, you know, yeah. even though it's, there's, uh, you know, not like we need to like grow more soybean and corn, corn in this country, but. Or more pig farms. Yeah. But. So it, it, it has been a while since I've done hunting. Is CRP still a thing? Mm-hmm. Is it? Cause yeah, that, that was where we found a lot of birds back in the day was CRP I, uh, fields. My uncle's got some, some land down there. He grew up in Iowa and <clears throat> they've got, they've got several farms down there, quite a lot of private land and they've got a good chunks of it in CRP and it's fantastic that there are and that's, a ton of pheasants in it. And that's, that wouldn't be considered public land, no, but that would be public. public access land. Cause you have access to that. When the farmer puts it in, 
to the crop rotation program, yeah. they have to give up or they have to allow people to hunt it. Correct. I don't know. Do you? I'm not sure that they do. I, I don't have to check. I think on that. that they do. Yeah. I don't know for sure. I know with, with his land, it's not public access. No, no. Mm-hmm. And so maybe it's not NCRP quote unquote, but I, I think I, it is. I thought it was a, and I'm sure somebody will let me know that I'm wrong, but I, I thought back when we used to hunt, um, and I'll age myself in like the mid to late nineties, um, that CRP land, part of that program was they had to allow people to hunt it for I, them, mm-hmm. for them to get the federal funding to let that land go. Um, to get the tax credit or something. Yeah. That's what to, to let it go. Fair, feral, feral. Yeah. 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 You know, I, I'm not sure that if it was, I don't think it is right now. Cause I do know a farmer that has a bunch of CRP and he's a generous guy and he lets a lot of people hunt on his place. And he, the guy's amazing. Cause he's, you know, he's been successful as a farmer and he's an incredible conservationist, but I don't I didn't see any signs on his place saying, you know, CRP public access. Hmm, sure. Um, so well, either way, it's yeah. a great program. It is. Yeah. yeah. More habitat for wildlife, the better. Well, yeah. And you just, you know, you think about the water quality issues they have in states like Iowa, where there's just like <laughs> fence row to fence row. And, the, you know, these are, they're not densely populated as, as far as people, but they're still like, a lot of them are just industrial landscapes. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, they're some of the most industrialized landscapes in the world. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> even though human population density is low. It's still, it's just, <laughs> right. it can be pretty bad down there. That's for sure. I I think last time I was reading, might've been a couple of years ago. I think I was ranked 48th, 49th in water quality, you know, yeah. you know, as far as across the, yeah. across the U S goes. Wouldn't um, surprise me. I know they've had a lot of issues. With I know. I know it's a lot of, a lot of issues. I think with a lot of the livestock farming that's going on down there. Sure. Um, but that's a whole different uh, rabbit hole to dive. Yeah, I yeah. couldn't even begin to speak on any of that. Yeah. Um, well, you, you get rid of wetlands too, and wetlands clean a lot of stuff out. Yeah, know. yeah, it, and you know, like with fields, and especially like people that live on lakes and stuff, it's amazing what two feet of not mowing your lawn up to the water will do for water right. quality. You know, if you <laughs> leave, you know, from the water's edge to, you know, two or three feet in, you know, to where you mow, that buffer zone will filter out a lot of crap that could normally get in the lake or right. the water, you know, stream. You know, some, you you fish some streams down in southeastern Minnesota and the people mow right up to the, I mean, I've been fishing and grass clippings have came down yeah. stream. Wow. And it's like, if you would just leave two feet, right, three would be better. It would be so much better for everything, right. and you'd have to mow less. Yeah. That's where low buffer zone. So earlier, before we the mics went hot, you guys were talking about some boundary waters moose hunting. Oh yeah, and I didn't yeah. want to forget about this because this no. is a story that I wanted to hear. Oh yeah, um, I have one, and you yeah. have one. Yeah. Well, Eric, you had said you had always wanted to do that hunt, or well, well, I would. As kind of, we were talking about how I got into BHA Wilson. Uh, I think it was New Year's Eve on, in uh, 2008. I had just done the, the moose hunt in the Boundary Waters, and that's kind of what made me more into a backcountry, you know, hunter and angler. Because, you know, we weren't successful, but, I mean, the whole dynamic of pursuing a big animal, 
on, you know, this vast tract of land where there's few, you know, using the canoe and, you know, few other hunting parties out there. Cause you know, of course there's a limited number of, of permits. Um, I, I, you know, we, we got, we had one encounter with a moose and that was opening morning. Um, and we made a mistake on that one. Um, you know, we got moose, um, th- you know, as a, as somebody's, you know, you're a white tailed deer hunter and you can't, get it out of your mind. Like, Oh, you think, Oh, you don't move or you don't tear up the place or you don't, you know? And so we just thought, Oh, we found this opening by this lake and we'd seen a lot of some decent moose sign there and let's call. And, uh, and you know, on an opening morning of that hunt, it was perfect. It was like 28 degrees and really calm. So of course the animals can hear, you know, you make this sort of this cow call and, uh, that's, uh, the, this, uh, Oh, Matt, have you done it? Yeah, that's pretty much what it's yeah, like. Yeah. I was waiting and, for and that. It, it, and I, you I, don't, I, you don't. We thought, oh, we'll just, we'll just do, we'll just, it'll walk right into the opening, and we'll shoot it. And and we we can see the trees shaking, you know, from ways away, and we just keep sitting in the same spot and thinking, mm-hmm. oh, you know, you don't want to spook them. Well, moose are big. You know, yeah, and they're not going to spook. They're not going to spook. And a horny cow, it's telling a bull to come in, actually moves a little bit towards the bull. And if you stay in the same spot, the bull starts to say, something ain't right. So that bull hung up on us. Um, but it, it was an amazing adventure. I mean, just we spent like six, it. seven days out there. And that after that, I was sort of, fun. that's how I got involved in BHA. There was this, it was like, I looked around at some of these environmental groups and I thought, and I was at this point where I was like, oh, that's, that's it. What? That's yeah. it. The, I had the environmental, I had this thing. Yeah. That's the bowl. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I need something that fits me as a, a hunter and angler though. Yeah. So I'm yeah. looking at, you know, and I was, I'd been a member of some of these other groups, but I needed something with this like strong heartbeat that also just embraced hunting and angling. And all of a sudden there's this tiny little group <laughs> BHA, it's got this, they're totally into all of this stuff and they really got this sort of ecological consciousness, but it's based in their sporting. Anyway, that's a whole, that's how I got started. The moose hunt was, kind of, the <laughs> we were talking about Minnesota moose hunting, yeah. sorry. Minnesota chapter is solid. We've got an awesome chapter. We just had chapter of the month bestowed upon us right. last nice. month Excellent. because of the work that we did at Pheasant Fest. Where, I don't know, we had 35,000 people coming through Pheasant Fest at least. We signed up 200 members? Does that yeah, sound yeah, right? Yeah. Like at least 200 members sold a grip of uh, merchandise. But more importantly, we were part of something called the Public Lands Pavilion, which was a section of Pheasant Fest, which in partnership with a lot of other uh, organizations and I couldn't name all of them, so I won't name any of them. Um, we donated 10% of our sales to the purchase of public land here in Minnesota. It's going to be the first, it's going to be the absolute first, uh, piece of public land that BHA has been a part of purchasing. We're doing it in conjunction with pheasants forever and a lot of the other organizations. That's awesome. It is amazing. Uh, it's kind of this, you know, it's that, pivot from just a conservation organization to also a bit of a habitat organization. We're all really excited about it. We don't know exactly where it's going to be. Um, but the Minnesota chapter has been doing a lot of work such as that, and it's a great community. 
Uh, not only do we work hard for public public land access issues and procurement and preservation, but what I love about it is it's a community. And it's guys that love doing the same stuff that we all love doing. And you know what? Let me just hold, stop myself there. Guys and gals, there's a lot of both. And we do hikes. We do like backpacking, hiking, uh, exercise trips around. What do we call those? Hike uh, to hunt. Hike to hunt. Yeah. Kind of. I've seen those advertised. Yeah. yeah, man. Pint nights, hike to hunt nights. We do the state rendezvous, which was a three-day event that we did up in Staples, Minnesota at the old Wadena Park Campground last year. Uh, we're going to do it again this year. I don't know exactly where it's going to be, but anybody listening to that, you should definitely come up. That's what we did last year was right on the Crow Wing River. There was great fishing. We had pike fillet demonstrations. We had talks about um, scavenger piles, got piles and how that affect the wildlife around. I mean, it was just an awesome three-day event. Yeah, I was I was just going to say, yeah, I actually wasn't able to go there because of mandatory, know, mandatory overtime. But um, what I was going to say is, you know, we try and have fun, you know, and yeah. I think that's important. I mean, you know, we've been talking a lot of issues here, but, you know, we do have that was one thing, too, that I, I wanted when I got involved was like, well, you know, I want something, an advocacy organization, but I can also want to bring like. My kids, you know, and when they were younger and now they're teens, you know, and they don't, they, they actually still come to BHA stuff because they've grown up with it. And they came to the Capitol to advocate, uh, you know, for, uh, you know, for some of the stuff we're doing. But, you know, they would come to the rendezvous and think it was cool yeah. because we weren't always talking some dry adult stuff. We maybe had some fun stuff going on for them or there was the cook-offs. Oh, that was really fun. <laughs> you know, Do you remember his story about his bear? Oh no, you weren't there. So, so we did a, we did a cook off at the, at the state rendezvous. One of the guys, uh, he had a, he had a bear, uh, what was a bear chili? God, it was so good. It was so good. And everybody's telling their stories about where their meal came from. And he's talking, this happened up in the boundary waters and he's talking about being in the boundary waters. And there was this bear that just kept ripping up anything that was colored blue. I think it was, he's like, I scared this bear off and the damn thing came back and went after it. And then he went after my blue something. And I was just, that was enough of it. So that's where this bear came from. <laughs> and, like, and it's just, it's just, the cook-off was great. The guy who won it, Greg, he's at here, Greg, he's going to head out to uh, the national rendezvous and represent the state of Minnesota. Do you guys remember the statistic of how many, uh, friends, the average like adult has in Minnesota, so low. I think it's maybe like 0.75 or like 1.25 close friends. Yeah, yeah. I know it's like it's two or less. It's way less. BHA is just a whole bunch of dudes hanging out, guys and gals getting together, talking about stuff that we all care about, and like you know, going hunting with each other, going fishing with each other. Who doesn't love that? Right. Yeah. And come sign up. Well, that's good. And and just a reminder too, uh, everybody can go. And you said uh, the events. What check out Facebook or check out the the website to Facebook, find those events. Check out Instagram. Go to backcountryhunters.org. Uh, you can search the Minnesota chapter there, and then you can do a couple of things from that home base site. A, you can look at a lot of the initiatives that we haven't talked about today. There's resources there that tell you about. There's a news section. It'll tell you about a lot of the things that we've been working on historically over the last several years. And also there's a, an events calendar and you can zoom right in and see what we've got coming up and got planned for the future. Stay in touch, how to get contacted, sign up, join a membership, get on the emailing list. Some guys have time to volunteer. Some guys don't. Some guys have time to come and show up to events. Some guys don't. It doesn't matter. Just be involved um, and participate as much as you want to. We're always looking for volunteers 
And it's a really good time. You know what volunteering means? It means sitting around, standing around, talking about public lands, shaking people's hands and like, you know, having a good time. Like it's, it's a, actually a really fun thing to do. So. And and if you want to get out hunting or fishing with people who know where to go, or if, if you don't know where to go, going to things like BHA events and um, other conservation groups is a great way to meet people who have spots to go. And, you know, like if you're not a jerk and you talk to people and you're nice, they'll probably invite you along and you can learn some new spots to hunt or fish and yeah. have a good time doing it. It happens really quickly too. I can tell you that. I went on my first goose hunt last year. Never, ever in my life have I gone goose hunting. Remember back when they, when I told you they called me sky blaster? Yeah. yeah. Wasn't good at hunting waterfowl. I've gotten <laughs> better though, I promise. And so met some guys, Kyle, who's... Uh, Kyle, uh, how do you say his last name? Hildebrand. 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 Uh, anyway, he's our, uh, he's our Minnesota U of M, uh, BHA collegiate chair. And so he does a lot of goose hunting. He's great. Gotta love this guy. He's such a good dude. And he invited us down to go goose hunting down by Rochester, set it all up, went the night before, found the field, just told us where we needed to be at a certain time. I think it was like 10 o'clock in the morning. He'd been out there since like six because some other guys wanted the field as well. And so he went out there and got it first. And, and we had yeah, Kyle likes to nail his spots down. Best. God <laughs> yeah. bless him for it. We had the best time ever. We had so many geese coming in. There was a crew of like six of us and we didn't, we didn't shoot a limit, but it was real close. We shot 16. It was 16 or 18 geese that day. And, uh, they were just dropping in. Something wasn't right about our set. I have no idea. I've never been goose hunting. I'm like, looks great to me. If I was a goose, I'd come in. But something wasn't great. They kept tweaking it. But we had a lot of geese coming. It was a fantastic day. And the only reason that that happened is because I decided to show up one day and start volunteering for BHA. Those doors open that you don't know that they're there. And that involves advocacy issues. It involves making friends and getting involved with a community of like-minded people. Excellent. Yeah, I, I think uh, one thing that we we do is we're more willing to, um, not that we, you know, give out our secret hotspots on podcasts or anything, but we're more willing to to take people. Just in Wyoming. <laughs> you know, uh, places and, and yeah. share information. And um, because, you know, as much as it's just, it, part of you says, oh, man, you go to your favorite place on the public land or public waters and you found that, you know, perfect fishing spot or whatever. And somebody else is there. You kind of go, oh, damn. But, but on the other hand, if nobody's using the resource there's fewer, fewer of us to advocate for yeah, it. I mean, exactly. then the spot isn't there at all. Right. Like, which one do you want? Right. Want to share it with your buddy or do you want it to not be there? Mm-hmm. Let's, let's share it with our buddy. And, and I've made, I've made friends actually through, and that some become BHA members, places where I hunt and I just meet the same people over and over again. And we start talking and right. yeah. yeah. Heard. Well, good. If you're listening, go out to a BHA event. Yeah, check mm-hmm. out an event. Um, hopefully, uh, by the time this airs, the WHO will be cool with uh, big gatherings again, and <laughs> yeah. you don't have to stop canceling things like the Great Waters Expo. But, yeah, yeah, that's too um, good. You know, check out check out the BHA uh, website. Uh, look at BHA Minnesota. You know, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, or any of those other social media platforms. But again, we'll uh, we'll post those links in the show notes. Yeah, but again, thank you guys for coming out, hanging out. Really appreciate it. Yeah, uh, a lot of good information, and uh, you know, we'll have to we'll have to get out hunting or, 
or fishing or, yeah, you know, maybe yeah. just have a beer at a pint night again. One of those things. <laughs> How about we do all of those things? We can do all those things. I'll have, Sounds my, drift, good. I'll have my drift boat in storage not too far away from here. And uh, let's go chase them, you know? That's yeah. not a bad idea. We'll right. float. We'll float. I know how to row, so I can oh, give you a break on the oars. Good, don't they? That's what they all <laughs> might say. not might not be out west rowing, but we can row around here. You know what? Oh. I'll take it. I don't even care. Perfect. Thanks again, guys. Really appreciate it. Bye. Yeah.